Welcome to Power Walk Ministries. Thanks for joining us today. Giving, God's Prophet and Our Blessing is the series taught by Dr. Paul Cannings. He is founder and president of Power Walk Ministries and senior pastor of Living Word Fellowship Church in Houston, Texas. Our giving reflects directly on where our hearts are. Dr. Cannings is about to teach life lessons on the topic of giving. So I encourage you to grasp them and put them into practice. Here he is now with part three of the message titled, The Heart of Giving. I'm always troubled by the fact, especially when a pastor is talking about it, that the whole issue of giving is so troublesome to many people. Giving is such a tight issue, meaning people would hold to that 10% for, oh, I don't know, 50 years sometimes. And they have a problem increasing it. How is it that giving when it comes to God creates tension? Because we are a church, and why does a church need money? Um, kind of is a strange thing because we give willingly to ourselves. What do you mean by that? Well, we buy houses. We go to jobs and work hard to sustain and pay those mortgages. We buy cars that we love. So we love ourselves so much, we spend a lot of money on ourselves. Work jobs that many people don't sometimes like, but they're there and they're committed to be on time, but late to church. What is the issue when we come to the aspect of of giving to God. Sometimes we spend so much time talking about the 10% and the need to give when God is spending more time talking about the heart of the giver. The same thing you would see in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, cheerfulness in giving. In chapter 8, the people saw his grace abound to them and they were so excited that God would come to Macedonians and he would reach out to these people who once live a very pagan life and turn their hearts towards him and then promise them eternal life and give them strength in their deep poverty and give them hope for tomorrow and sustain them in their difficult times and protect them and bless them. And they're seeing this God who's reaching out and loving them and would die on a cross for them. When they weren't seeking him, there was no hope to go to heaven outside of him. And because of his rich grace, they responded to him. See, even though we arrive at every other aspect of giving from the heart, We come to church and giving is from the head. And it becomes an issue of money and the issue of why the church needs this. And people question all these things. Many times when God blesses people with good salaries, they sometimes don't ask themselves, why we need a house with six rooms when it's just going to eventually be two of us? Those questions are not there. Why do we need a car that is like a house payment when we just need transportation? Why do we need a watch that costs a whole lot of money when bottom line, we need to know the time? We don't tend to Come to those issues that way. Folks, we arrive at everything with a sense of when we can afford it, luxury. But when God asks to give beyond our regular gift, it's a struggle. The issue isn't money and spending it. The issue is where is our heart when it comes to God? And this is the paradox we have in John chapter 12. The paradox in John chapter 12 is that you got a man that's stealing money when he's seeing Jesus walk on water. A man that's stealing money when he sees Jesus Christ take five loaves, two fishes, and feed folks. He sees Jesus have the power to raise a sick girl back to life. He has the power to raise Lazarus after four days in the grave. He has the power to do awesome things like on the Mount of Transfiguration that was described to him by Peter, James, and John. But this man looking at this powerful being named Jesus, 
Jesus, would seek to steal from him. And here is a woman who seen Jesus raise her brother back to life. This woman who wept along with Jesus when her brother died. This woman who would spend time with Jesus to hear him speak and not be as concerned about the kitchen. This woman is giving everything. When a person steals from Jesus, all he can. What is the issue here in John chapter 12? Let's take a walk through this so that we could understand the heart of this issue. In verse 1, he says, Jesus. Notice it didn't say Christ. Jesus, the man, Jesus. Fully God, fully man. Therefore, six days before the Passover, he's going to die, so it'll mention Jesus. He's getting ready to go down to Jerusalem and die. It's to everybody, this is not the time to die. I mean, Judas, he's looking at this from a different perspective. This is Jesus. Now, he is the most popular rabbi ever. I mean, they're excited because you raise somebody after four days when the Jews believe that the spirit hovered over the body for three days and there's hope. But after three days, it's gone. Jesus Christ took a one-day journey and made it last four days to get there, taking his sweet time getting there. On the fourth day, he made a point to Martha. I am the resurrection. And you're going to find out today. Since you want a theological discussion, I'll give you one. Where were you? You want a deep thought pattern? Let me explain it to you. Mary just wants to cry. I'll just cry with Mary. But you want a theological discussion. I am the resurrection. He waited four days. People are just, man, you could touch the hem of his garment. You're healed. This Jesus Christ, your daughter could be sick. You don't even have to be in the same spot and, and your servant couldn't be raised back to good health. You can have this Jesus Christ. Man, he would heal you. He stayed out sometimes just healing people all day long. This is the son of David. We need him. We've got Roman oppression. We've got leprosy walking around this place. We've got high taxation. We have got low economy, bad poverty around here. We've got oppression by the Romans. We are struggling to maintain our temple. This Jesus, he is the hope of it all. He's high in popularity. So Judas is saying, money, 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 money is coming. This is the time for us to take some serious offerings. We got this now. And this Jesus, I don't have to worry about him dying. They try to stone him in the temple and he disappeared. So this Jesus Christ, they can't touch him. He is going to be the replacement for David and his throne will last forever. I read the Bible. I heard what it says. This throne that comes with David will last forever. That's why Peter would say, you're not going to die. There's no way you're going to die. You are the Christ. After saying he is the Christ, he says, you ain't going to die. Don't worry about this dying thing. You keep talking about dying. Let's put that behind us. You got it going on. You see, the context says that even the disciples that weren't stealing weren't believing he's going to die. They ran off on hide after he died. Because this is the time. Who's going to be on the right? Who's going to be on the left? Oh, folks, what is going on here? They're looking to Jesus to take care of their needs. They're looking to Jesus Christ as he goes to the Passover to take care of their problems. Judas is looking for Jesus because he's going to fatten up his pocket. They're looking for Jesus because now he's going to make these ordinary men popular and run a kingdom. He's going to establish them to be more than they themselves could have been on their own. Jesus Christ is not a person of value just because of who he is. He's not a person of value because he will die for their sins and give them hope forever. 
He's not a person of value because he loves them when they, our wretchedness, our sin runs our lives and controls us. He rescues and delivers us from the power of sin. It's not just Jesus who will put the Holy Spirit in our life and redeem us from death to life. It's not this Jesus. That when we have groans in our heart, we can pray and get God to answer our prayers. It's not this Jesus that would sit at the right hand of the Father and make intercession for us. Not this Jesus that would put angels around us and protect us from the attacks of Satan. And if he allows any attacks, he'll not give us more than we can bear because he sits at the right hand as our lawyer as Satan goes to heaven day and night. We now have an intercessor when we never did. It's not this Jesus who could have took them all out on the cross but said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus said that because he saw the anger of God at them spitting at him and mocking him and, and, and just talking to his only begotten son with such disrespect, such disorder and dysfunction. And he had to say, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Sometimes I wonder that's why he may have said that. This Jesus is different for Mary than it is for Judas and the disciples. Folks, he he goes down to the Passover. Jesus, there for six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Watch this carefully. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Because some people believed and some people doubted. Because he's at the top of his popularity, the leaders of the day hate his guts. Now, he's doing good for the people in a bad situation, but they hate him. That's jealousy. Jealousy is when somebody's doing good and benefits that they're experiencing in life is good, but the person can't stand the fact that they don't have the same benefits. Same thing happened with the disciples in Acts chapter 5. Jealousy. They're hating him more. Uh, Folks, so in verse 2 he says, so they made him a supper there. And Martha was serving. See, Martha doing her thing. She, she focused. She, that's what she does. And it ain't easy to prepare a supper. You got to kill an animal. There's a whole different degree of difficulty here. You got to get the wood. You got to put it in the stove. You got to get this thing going. It's a whole different thing. And they prepared him a supper. They respected him. They honored him. One did it in service. The other did it in worship. Folks, both are highlighted by Jesus. It's just one more important than the other. In other words, something especially as a pastor I have to keep in mind. I could serve God every day, but if my worship to him isn't there, he'd rather have that than just serving him and I don't have a love for him that is so overwhelming that it dominates how I exalt him and adore him, how I lift him, how I praise him, how I thank him, how I humbly bow before him. That adoration highlights how much I respect him, how much I realize he sustains me every day. It's the difference between a child who compares to a parent and a child who grows up and thanks a parent. You see, folks, so they made, verse 2, him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. How are you going to be raised after four days and you're not where Mary is? See, folks, he's not where Mary is. He is reclining at the table with Jesus. He's with Jesus. He doesn't go off and get busy. He's appreciative and he's there and he's respectful of what took place. But he's with Jesus. He's not worshiping Jesus. He's like the rest of the disciples. Oh, folks, as we walk through this text these next few days, remember, the heart of the issue is exposed in our worship. That's why giving comes out of worship. Because that's where our heart is. You don't see Lazarus giving anything. You would think this man would bring him everything. What you want? Okay, I got this. Martha, sit down. I'm doing this. You cook the food, I'm serving him. No, he's not. He's reclining at the table. He's allowing the tradition and the custom of the day of the woman serving to serve him. 
He's not doing anything attached to serving Jesus. See, folks, God can bless us, but it doesn't mean that we become a blessing. Because the issue, when a heart is impacted, it leads to worship. And out of worship, we can't help but surrender ourselves to Him with our gifts. The issue in giving is not the money. It's where our heart is. Thank you, Dr. Paul Cannings. We most willingly give to ourselves every day. But I trust that this series will cause us to develop a heart of giving towards things that are more eternal and beneficial to the kingdom of God. One of the hardest things in ministry is not actually doing ministry when God has blessed you to be disequipped, but it's to get the resources to get it done. Uh, We've stepped out in faith because we believe that. In other words, it must be a step of faith from us first, not from you first. And that's what we've done in developing this ministry. But we pray that God will touch your heart to partnership with us. And you could do that simply by going to our website, a secure website, and pressing the donate button. And on that button, you will be able to become a partner with us, and we will seek to bless you for being a blessing to us. I pray that God will move on your heart to be our partner. God bless you. Now, if you'd like to obtain a copy of this message, then please call us at 281-260-7402. That's 281-260-7402. You can also look through all of our resources online at powerwalkministries.org. And if you live in the Houston area and you don't have a church home, you're welcome to visit Reverend Cannings and his congregation at Living Word Fellowship Church. It's located at 7350 T.C. Jester Boulevard in Houston. Remember, the issue in giving is not about money, but rather determining the things that our hearts are set on. So let's make God our number one priority. 